0: Welcome once again to Chill Filter, the podcast where we drink whiskey, so you don't have to, but you probably should, and you probably are, and that's why we like you. Uh, This episode, we got a very special episode this week. I feel like we say that a lot. I know we say that a lot, but this week is truly different. Uh, As we speak, uh, my good friend Cole, you're one of your favorite podcasters. Is currently at the hospital waiting on Colonel Turkey Dump to arrive in this world. So Cole is currently away in a hospital. We've got a guest host that I will get to here in just a little bit. Uh, Before I do that, I do want to say make sure you share us. Share us with a friend. You know, I think today's episode is an evident reason of the community that we've kind of built, that we have relationships. Um, And you know what? You got relationships too. So just share us with a friend next time you guys are drinking some whiskey, and you pull out some of that amazing knowledge, cold drops on you every week, just say, you know where I heard that? From my good friends at Chill Filtered. Uh, that's about it. Other than that, let's go ahead and get to the podcast. Today on the show, uh, I have an awesome co-host. If you have not listened, and I know we've plugged it before, uh, but I'm going to plug it in. If you've not listened to the Embellished podcast, you're missing out. Uh, we've got the host of that, John. I don't even think I know John's last name, but we got John from Embellished podcast with us. Uh, he is phenomenal at what he does Uh, the embellished podcast is it's it's just it's a different take on a whiskey podcast Uh, just you know good things in general podcast you'll probably like it a lot if you like us lots of good information but anyway John welcome to the show Uh, what's your last name and how you been doing man
1: well, I think maybe you might actually appreciate my last name considering I know that you're a little bit of a of a pop culture nerd. Uh my last okay, name is yeah. Hughes. So my I am John Hughes.
0: <laughs> and are you from Chicago?
1: I am not from Chicago. I'm from uh western Kentucky. So Western Kentucky. Um, yep. Yeah.
0: Well see, I think i I think I've seen I did see your last name somewhere before, uh then so I did know it, but it wasn't on the top of my head there. So John Hughes, all right. So you uh you're in western Kentucky? Mm-hmm. Heart yep. of, like, bourbon world.
1: We're we're slightly west of there. Uh, most of the bourbon world sort of believes that Kentucky ends at Owensboro and Bowling Green, but there's about another two hours drive west of there. Um, we have a couple of universities out here, and I've, I've lived here for most of my life. I did spend a little bit of time living in Lexington when I was a child. My mom was going to pharmacy school up there, and so, you know, I, I've been in Kentucky most of my life, though.
0: Okay. So how—I mean— you know, a lot of our listeners are, we're scattered all around the place. Right. And to me being in, I've never been to Kentucky. I've never done the bourbon trail or anything like that. But how has growing up in Kentucky shaped your view of whiskey and the way you live? I mean, I'm sure this is like, just like such a generic question, but it really does interest me. So how, how's growing up in Kentucky kind of shaped the way you interact with bourbon?
1: It's it's sort of like the, you know, the trope that you have that, you know, people that are born in Russia have uh, vodka in their baby bottles. Well, in Kentucky, mm-hmm. we're born with bourbon in our baby bottles. Um, so it's it's been something that's sort of always been around. You know, you grow up in Kentucky, you know about Maker's Mark and you know about Jim Beam and you know about all of those things. And you sort of just uh, it almost take it for granted because mm-hmm. it is a common part of your day to day life. Um, but then as you kind of get older and you go to college and you meet people that come from other places, you realize that it's, it's something that's sort of special, uh, it's a little bit special in college for a completely different reason, obviously. <laughs> yeah. um, but as you get as you get older, you start to understand, you know, like uh, bourbon and whiskey, and American whiskey specifically is uh, one of those things that's sort of the the history of America and the history of bourbon are completely intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've talked about it on my podcast a few times, and you guys talk about it all the time. With <laughs> you, you talk about the history of brands and and you know their inception and and the reason why bourbon exists in the United States. It's also, you know, collectively intertwined.
0: Yeah. Well, Cole talks a lot about it. I, I just listen and, and agree and try to keep up because that's, that's, that, that's what that guy does. So um, right. also, I mean, so what do you do? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I, I know you host an amazing podcast. What do you do uh, like work wise, family wise? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I work,
1: I've, for the last eight years, I've worked in agricultural technology, uh, specifically in software. I'm a mm-hmm. product owner for that, which means that I'm a glorified meeting holder. Uh, I go from one meeting to the other and provide a, <laughs> you know, kind of a communication stream between engineers and between business people. Um, I've got a two daughters and a wonderful wife. Uh, been married since 2006 and I can't do the mental math on that right now. It's been a long day already. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, that's what I've been doing. I, I enjoy what I do immensely. Um, because you can, once again, you know, that was sort of the impetus for starting my, my podcast was it was like an intersection of my childhood, my current career, and the fact that I just actually enjoyed drinking uh, whiskey and bourbon specifically mm-hmm. because, you know, I work in ag tech and, you know, agriculture is, is vital and integral to the existence of whiskey and bourbon. And growing up in Kentucky, whiskey and bourbon is a big thing. And so you kind of put all those things together and you get this passion project.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think a little bit of that came out in that, uh, was it two episodes ago where you did the distill estate episode where you talked a lot about, uh, you know, essentially farm to table, like grain to grain to barrel sort of stuff. And so, and that's something like I'd never heard of. It was really interesting. So that's kind of, that's right up your alley, isn't it?
1: It really is. Yeah. Those are the ones that, that. I get uh, a little bit more geeked out on than the rest, you know um, <laughs> that so so much of the, of the whiskey podcast world really focuses on, you know uh, sort of, you know, kind of poking fun at the the history that, that people want to build into their brands. And I get mm-hmm. that because a lot of the times it's, you know, sort of untrue or completely untrue or whatever. Um, <clears throat> but there's somebody somewhere that that was their job was to sort of craft a product story and product stories are what, you know 80 percent of the population is going to connect with you know the whiskey nerds are going to toss it aside and we're going to talk about what's in the glass and where it came from and all of those more scientific type things but Mm -hmm. that's not the bulk of the consumers of whiskey you know we're we're the minority we're not the majority and so that's why i like i like talking about those things you know somebody spent time to craft it and put it together um it may not be entirely true but i think that you know most of us as modern american consumers don't really uh believe a whole lot of what we're sold
0: anyways. Mhm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're definitely a skeptical nation that's for sure. Or we're that either we're far too skeptical or we're way too uh foolish. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think I, I, you're exactly right. You know,
1: the, the, there's a lot of people that are way too foolish, but I don't think that those are the, the consumers of whiskey in, in the United States. You know, you usually find those in other other marketplaces. Um, okay. the, yeah. the, the, the the whiskey consumers are, are slightly more skeptical of everything, which is, you know, why there is this mm-hmm. trend to sort of, you know, poke fun at it and slightly ignore it. But, um, you know, it's it, it's something I enjoy.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, I think that you're right. Like, uh, if you look into a distillery and you're like, oh, it's, it's got MGP, it's source juice, right? People are like, all right. And that's one thing I think I really enjoyed about the show with Cole is like, we've hit a couple of MGP products where we're like, dang, like this is, you know, it's really good. Like they've, they kind of figured it out, you know, and how to take this product and make it their own and make it great. So, and there's others where it's like, yeah, it's, that's all right. <laughs> so I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there. Um, let's see. want to ask you too. Oh gosh, I totally forgot. So, Shoot. Anyway, uh, oh, that's right. What uh, what uh, what are some of your influences for doing the podcast? Like, where where did that come from? Like, what are some of the podcasts that maybe inspired you to get into it, or maybe some you know, written word or anything? What what's inspired your podcast?
1: So, what what inspires my podcast more than anything is. Um, you know, I, I watched a lot of whiskey YouTube, you know, that's the Mm -hmm. short term for whiskey YouTube and, and what, what those folks are doing and what they're doing to educate consumers, uh, read a lot of books. That's, you know, most of my, uh, I do things a little bit old school. Most of my podcasts, Mm -hmm. you know, 40 to 50% of the research of that comes from a physical book. I have a bookshelf behind me that has a, a host of different, um, whiskey sources, you know, from, Mm -hmm. from a lot of different places and it helps to get some of those backstories that are getting lost, you know, uh, because somebody can just kind of pull it off their website and it's gone now. But if I have a physical book, it never goes away. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, so I do a lot of that, but more of anything, it was, Something that I just wanted to do. I, I've, I've collected whiskey for probably the last five years. And the original intent behind collect, collecting whiskey was I was going to have, you know, like this, this tasting event at my house. I was going to mm-hmm. invite friends and coworkers over. And then I had kids and you have kids too. So you you, <laughs> you, you, you may resonate with this a little bit. There's, there's like two, two different versions of clean. There's like day to day version of clean. Mm-hmm. And then there's like people are coming to visit clean. And those are two mm-hmm. completely different things. And so I was like, you know what? Uh, inviting people over and getting the house, you know, spotless and immaculate, um, for a whiskey tasting is a little troublesome. And then when COVID hit, um, it yeah. put everybody in quarantine and I was able to, luckily, you know, I work in a, pos- in a profession that allows us to do everything remotely. And so I didn't lose my ability to work, but I did lose some connection with folks, you know, being able to mm-hmm. sit in the office and talk to people and, and do all of those. Those things. And so what I ended up developing initially is I did a series of blind virtual tastings with my coworkers. I started bottling up things and shipping that nice. out to them. And what I really enjoyed about <clears throat> them was the educational aspect of giving, you know, brand information and, and helping with tasting notes, because I am definitely not the person to give tasting notes, but I, I know that I can dig up fairly reputable sources to provide that information for us and so connecting people at a deeper level with the things that they consume becoming you know more intentional about what it is that we're doing um and having a little fun with it along the way and so as i did those things i was like you know what i i think i think i'm going to i'm going to start a podcast and i'm going to do this just because i want to and so i you know I, I developed this podcast idea developed an idea for about 10 or 12 episodes and i started recording and I enjoy it. I, you know, I in college, I, I worked in radio a little bit. And so the concept okay. of, you know, sitting in a room alone, talking into a microphone is not completely foreign while it is a little bit crazy. Uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was enjoyable. And so these are, these are things that I, I like to do.
0: Nice. So I got to ask you, where, who, who did the music for your podcast? Cause it, I honestly, man, that's a perfect intro, perfect outro. Who did your music? Where'd you get that at?
1: So I got it. You had to ask that. Uh, I'll, have, I'll have to look at it because I got it off of uh, a website that allows you to pull music for free as long as you attribute it correctly. Um, and I'll Uh-oh. have to pull it up out. Some of it, I think, came from... <laughs> you
0: can't attribute off the top of your head. Shoot. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's No, no, no. <laughs> it, I've about got,
1: it, it's right here in front of me. I got them from... <laughs> uh, one was from SoundCloud and the other... Was from a different company. I can't remember the name of it now. It's, it's oh, in man. the text of this somewhere, but you know, they both came from places as long as I, you know, give who it came from. And I'm a non-commercial. I'm not making any money. I don't have any Patreon. I don't have any, you know, any, yeah. if it got to the point to where somebody was giving me money, I might have to change it. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky through, through college. I forged a lot of really solid relationships with musicians. So I can likely come up with something pretty solid, uh, mm-hmm. here myself. But that was just simple, and it was something I picked out. I was like, you know what, I like this. I'm going to go with it.
0: Yeah. So uh, the episode, I think it was your latest episode where you were talking about uh, just kind of gimmicks with whiskey, and you talked about the uh, the uh, black end and the sound vibrations and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned working with a lot of artists, and I am a pop culture guy. So any any names you could drop that would be recognizable to myself or some of our listeners that you worked so in- with.
1: In a, in a direct, uh, in a direct working with them in a sound fashion? Absolutely not, because it was, it's going to be all local musicians. But, okay. um, while I was in college, the university here in town has a, a special event center and they've been able to bring in over the course of the last, you know, well, not so much in the last 10 years, but while I was in college, we got to see some you know, pretty top line acts from, uh, and I know this is also one that people like to poke fun at, but you know, Nickelback came to, to, to our <laughs> university a couple of times and I was able to work security and interact with those folks. Yeah. Um, you know, Nellie came, Kanye West, but then we also had Bob Dylan and Bill Cosby oh, and a whole host of uh, fantastic artists. Um, Zach Brown, just a, a lot of, because we are rural, you're going to have to bring in a pretty big name to be able to fill a 10,000 person, you know, mm-hmm. event center. Uh, so it's not a, not a lot of, you know, like Americana or anything like that, but, and I'll say the, I guess maybe you, you asked a question, I'm going to kind of double back onto it. You know, what, what got me into wanting to do this? Um The reality is I want to get to the point to where I can have conversations with people. Who are at the brand level? Uh, so if you mm-hmm. think about like Smoke Wagon and Aaron, who runs that place, I'd love to have a talk with that guy because he seems like a real genuine person. But mm-hmm. like the apex for me is if I ever get the opportunity to t- to talk to um, a musician who's involved with the Sweetens Cove project. His name is Drew Holcomb, and he's an Americana artist. And my family and myself, we absolutely love him. We've seen him. You know, the first time I ever saw him. Uh, live was actually by accident. We were going to see another artist that was opening for him. Uh, my wife wanted to go see and we ended up seeing him. And so he's involved with this, this, the sweetens cove project. And, you know, obviously being able to talk to Mary and Eve's like, that's the things that I want. I want to be able to have conversations with these people just because it seems like interesting. Like that's, that's what's interesting to me. This is these conversations.
0: Awesome. man. That's cool. Um, my last thing I'm going to ask you kind of about the podcast or podcasts in general well, no, never mind. I'm going to ask you two things about it. First thing one is, have you ever listened to 99% Invisible? It's a podcast about design. Have you heard, have you heard that one ever? I have not, but now okay, it's so my list. You're going to have to check it out because it's just this guy, Roman Mars, does it. And he's going to talk about like quick quick ones, like 15, 20 minutes. He'll just mm-hmm. talk about like the design of a bench in the middle of a park and how it affects flow throughout the park and through and, and then in turn affects that city like um but i'm like when i listen to your podcast i'm like man i am listening to the roman mars of whiskey because you just that's that's what you, what you do is you're just like hey here's a little thing and you know what let's just g- expound 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 it gets bigger and bigger and you're like oh my gosh right. so anyway big fan of the podcast uh and they're quick episodes too so i i think I, I painted a bathroom one week and i think i listened to the majority of the catalog and it really enjoyed it so um really do appreciate it. The next the last question I will ask though is how long have you been listening to Chill Filtered? What what keeps you listening to Chill Filtered? What do you like about us? Cuz you know we're a little conceited around here. We're like, "No." <laughs> I don't I don't think
1: you're conceited. I think you guys are just good at what you do and you can recognize that fact. I don't think that's conceit. But um so I if you could track back when I joined the Patreon, I started listening probably two months before that. Um, that's usually kind of my my litmus test: is if I can listen to something for a couple of months, I will. Um, then, obviously, I'm going to subscribe via Patreon and try to give Yikes, them okay. some sort of form of funds because you know if you're producing something that I enjoy, uh, it's going to take you time and effort and money to be able to do it, and so I'm going to do what I can to support that. Uh, so I uh, I got into it. Eh, a couple months before that, so that's probably going to be November-ish of 2020, Um and the reality is, is I, I didn't listen to a ton of podcasts a year ago. That was not something mm-hmm. that I, I did on a regular basis, and as an aside to this, um I had to go back and listen to the last two or three episodes that you guys did. Uh, on normal speed, because I normally listen to podcasts at <laughs> one and a half, uh, one and a yeah. half times speed. And so when you cut that down to, uh, one, you know, like just the normal one times speed, it sounds like everybody, uh, has had a little bit too much to drink because you've been used to listening to, <laughs> to <laughs> too, 20 too or fast. 30 episodes at <laughs> 1.5 times, you know. And that was, you know, that was one of the things I was trying to be cognizant of, uh, early on in my podcast is that, I I know, you know, on average, you should speak about 150 words per minute to be able to for a human to sort of understand it easily. But most podcast listeners listen at a faster rate. And I when I get excited about something, I want to talk real fast. Mm-hmm. And so the first two episodes I did, I didn't do a script. I just had my my talking points and I enjoyed it, but I caught myself going too fast. And if yeah. I listened back to that <laughs> at like one point five times then it almost becomes you know undiscernible and so people will likely just sort of tune out and so i had to start scripting things and slow myself down because um you know that's just what we do you get excited you want to talk fast you want to get yeah. all the words out as quickly as possible
0: you know yeah i know no, my wife constantly is like elbowing me like when we're in public with people I'm like you gotta slow down man you're like freaking out here on your speed so i got you i'm with you um all right, you know what we are we're probably over time for just kind of shooting the breeze mm-hmm. portion here um I think it's about time. Maybe we should go throw it to break, and then we'll come back. Uh, John's going to give us some – oh, we, I don't think we have even mentioned what we're drinking. So today nope. we are drinking a great bottle. We're drinking an accessible bottle. Feel free to get one. Drink with us. But we're drinking Evan Williams Bottled in Bond. And when we come back from this break, we'll get into some history on that. So we'll go ahead and take it to break. <laughs> All right. And we're back. Um, So we are drinking Evan Williams, Bottled and Bond. And one great thing about having uh, John Hughes here as a uh, co-host on this episode is I didn't have to break from what I usually do. And that's just listen and drink whiskey because this guy is, John's phenomenal at coming up with information. So I was like, dude, do you want to do the history? And he was all about it. So anyway, John, go ahead and educate us here a little bit. Tell us a little bit about Evan Williams and especially the Bottled and Bond.
1: Yep. So, um, I, I was really excited whenever you you kind of tossed out like what, you know, what bottles do we want to talk about? And, you know, kind of going back and forth over what we both have on hand and, and Evan Williams bottle and bond came up. Um, it's one that I regularly recommend to anybody who's like, Hey, I want a really good sub $20 bottle. But the thing with Evan Williams specifically. And so we'll talk about a couple different things here is that there's like technically three different stories when you want to talk about Evan Williams. One of those stories is the story of the distiller and sort of a notorious character from the late 1700s. Then there's a second story that's about the brand of Evan Williams, which is the Evan Williams Bottle and Bond. But the most recent story is that of the Evan Williams Distillery. And if you're not really paying close attention, you'll want to note that there's a significant chronological disparity between the first two items. Like, there's 200 years between the death of Evan Williams as a human being and a distiller and the creation of the Evan Williams brand. And so we sort of you know, touched on that early on that uh, a lot of times these brands have these histories that maybe aren't really connected. And so what I wanted to start with is talking about the distiller and then we'll talk about the brand. And so Evan Williams was born in Wales uh, and he immigrated to Kentucky in the late 1700s. And he started out like most of the settlers of the time did with a homestead and a farming operation and through the course of that he experienced what most other farmers experienced when they moved here and there's this you know this rich and fertile soil that exists in kentucky that produces a a significant glut of grain product And you got to figure out something to do with that grain to maintain its value as a commodity and so what they did is um the the he He embarked on a journey to distill his surplus grain into a whiskey um We can easily validate within history that he opened what is known as Kentucky's first commercial distillery so Evan Williams owns the first distillery now currently right. the currently the date is seventeen eighty three that's the one that's most agreed upon. That is the date that is displayed on every Evan Williams bottle that you'll find. it's always on the side. It'll have like his signature. This is Evan Williams' original signature, and this is seventeen eighty three was when he was distilling, but there's not a significant connection between the brand now and his name. But you'll also find some reports from some pretty noted historians that will say now he didn't actually come to the United States until like seventeen ninety two so he couldn't have opened a distillery in seventeen eighty three but we know he owned DSP-1 in Kentucky. <laughs> he was the first commercial distiller. Now, he, he wasn't only a distiller. And so this is where we get into the uniqueness of the character and what makes, I think, Evan Williams as a person interesting. And it kind of adds some some color and some embellishment to the actual brand. Um, he, he became a trustee. And so when we say the word trustee, we're really thinking like city council member and a wharf master for the city of Louisville. And there are a lot of really infamous stories around Williams. Uh, one of the noted ones is that he was known for bringing jugs of his whiskey into city government meetings. Um, but that was not allowed at the time. So it would be promptly confiscated from him. Um, <laughs> it was, it was illegal for them to consume or possess alcohol while they were doing the city's business. And at the end of every city council meeting, the jug would be returned to him, but curiously, it was always empty. <laughs> so he obviously was not the only one that sat on the city council that was interested in imbibing his particular spirits, and so he was gaining a bit of a reputation um it's it's pretty well noted that he was likely a trustee and a wharf master so he could protect his own business interests because you know he he had a distillery in downtown Louisville. He was the wharf master, which means there was his product that was going, um, the way the city of Louisville lays out. There is now a dam in place, but there was a series of almost like falls. So you would have to unload a ship above the falls and then reload it below it. And that oftentimes was whiskey that was being, you know, moved from one thing to the other. And so it was kind of believed that he was likely doing this to, to protect his own business interest, you know, to be able mm-hmm. to kind of keep an eye on his own things. But he was also, uh, as, you know, most people of that era were a jack of all trades. He was a master stonemason. And he was responsible for the construction of the first courthouse and jailhouse in Jefferson County. So it would seem that Williams was trying to, you know, play both sides of the fence here. He provided the spirits to those who were in need and making sure that there was a place for them to stay when they inevitably consumed too much and had to run in with the law. Um, so he, he seemed to like to cover his own bases. Now that's, that's <laughs> Evan Williams as the person. Now, Evan Williams is the brand comes to us in 1957. Um, Evan Williams is the brand. It's it's a product from Heaven Hill. Uh, you know, anybody who knows much about whiskey knows who Heaven Hill is. They're a large distilling conglomerate, and they they realized the success that places like Jim Beam and Jack Daniels were having by using historical names on the bottlings that they were selling and so they decided hey we're going to explore this and they jumped out there with evan williams that's how you know evan williams brand gets its birth and then subsequently um they also did the same thing with elijah craig much much later on um, evan williams uh, bourbon has you know three traditional expressions that you can kind of get a hold of regularly you've got the black label which is an 86 proof the mm-hmm. bottled and bond which I know you guys have talked about Bottled and Bond like 400 different times. And so you've got a set of <laughs> regulations that have to kind of happen to be able to um, be called Bottled and Bond. And then they've got their single barrels, which sit on the shelves everywhere, at like 86 proof, which is sort of curious to me that they're running mm-hmm. a, uh, a single barrel product at 86 proof. Uh, I know it gives them a lot more to sell, but, you know, like if it was sitting a little higher, it would probably be better. Yeah. But it's still a great product anyways. Um, but to this day, Evan Williams is still historically the largest brand that Heaven Hill produces. And then the last thing that I had mentioned, I'm only going to touch on it for a second here. I'm not going to take too much more time, is that you have Evan Williams, a distillery. And Evan Williams, um, using the term distillery is a little bit tongue-in-cheek because it sits at the heart of the Evan Williams bourbon experience in Louisville, um, downtown area. Uh, the distillery might be considered something that is slightly under a craft distillery, something that is a little bit more artisanal if you were to kind of really think about it because they produce a single barrel a day, right? So if you think oh. about a lot of these places are producing hundreds of barrels or if not more a day, they're producing one a day and it's a part of the visitor experience. Um, but those barrels haven't sort of been tossed aside. They've been uh, s- storing those barrels And uh, recently, Heaven Hill has launched or Evan Williams Distillery has launched the brand of Square Six. And so that is the first bottling of Evan Williams Distillery bourbon. Right. They, they called it square six. They couldn't, obviously, they weren't going to use the Evan Williams brand because that's still Mm -hmm. the stuff that comes from Heaven Hill. But, um, they've finally launched a distillery. And so we're looking at, you know, 17 or, uh, yeah, the 1700s is when Evan Williams as a distiller becomes a person. 1950 is when Evan Williams as a brand becomes a person. And then the distillery itself comes into existence. In the mid two thousands or mid two thousand tens, roughly, right. So it sort, of, it sort of seems like everything's done backwards for them. But the bottled <laughs> and bo- the bottled and bond brand, absolutely available almost everywhere in the world, and it, it's it's a fantastic bottling.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, man, that was awesome. I felt like I, I was uh, actually you know more or less listening to your podcast the way you know broke it down into the stories there, and uh, I kind kind of fanned out geeked geeked out there a little bit. So man, appreciate that. Thanks for that. Um, you ready? To, you ready to crack into this? Absolutely. All right. So I get no, it's it's a you know under twenty dollars. So don't expect a cork pop on this. It's got a screw top. But uh, all right, yep. get get after this.
1: If you give it a real hard spin, you can listen to it skate across the floor as it slides off the top. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man! So. I, I have never done a blind tasting. I know you mentioned that earlier mm-hmm. and just just knows I've never had this out of a Glen Karen uh, because, you know, typically Evan Williams is my, you know, it's just it's just yep. that it's going to be mixed with drinker. something
1: usually or, yeah it, yeah, it might be in a it might be in a rocks glass
0: with some ice or something along that
1: lines. Yeah.
0: And it's, and it's so typically like Evan Williams, like you were saying, it's easy to find. And I don't always get a bottle in Mon, but typically like when I'm on, like if I go to Disneyland or I'm on vacation, go to Vegas or something like that, it's easy enough to find the 86 proof, the black bottle. And that's typically what I drink. And that's usually mixed in with something as you're walking through Vegas like all day long. So yeah, right. ne- never. Had, and I've had it neat too, but I've never had it in a Glencairn. But I'm telling you right now, if I was to do this in a blind, like this guy's got a really good nose. Like I wouldn't assume this is. A cheap bottle of whiskey, you know? Absolutely. I,
1: I had an opportunity uh, maybe a month and a half ago, and so
0: this may seem a little bit like cheating,
1: but um, one of the, the Instagram uh, people that I follow, his name's Timothy Van Riper, but he also goes by Single Barrel Snob. He did a thing called Snob School, and he was talking specifically about this Heaven Hill bottle and Bond. It was one of those things that it's been on my shelf forever, mm-hmm. and I yeah. always forget about it because I have other bottles that I'm more excited about trying or opening or whatever, and so we just took an afternoon to, to, to drink it. And I don't want to use the term proper because there's no proper way to drink whiskey. It's however yeah. you enjoy it, but to, to, to sit down and be more intentional about what it is. And, um, it was surprising to me. And I, I, what I'm doing is I'm comparing this against what I thought then because I keep a little journal and I write down mm-hmm. the things that I feel like it was. And, um, it doesn't, it doesn't smell cheaper young. I mean, you get some, to me, I get a lot of like nuts, yeast and malt to it. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not not in like a harsh or a bad way no
0: so i i definitely getting nuts like i, I think initial initially before i did like a nice spin the old mat job on it i it was very uh, i get a lot of alcohol vapor but the a little spin there's a slight apple like you would expect out of a bourbon but mm-hmm. very slight but a lot of nut there for sure yep and it's and I mean the more I'm kind of going on to there's less there's less of that vapor and it definitely it's you know doesn't smell like a, tw- a cheap bottle
1: <laughs> yeah and that's one of the things I had to move away from Glenn Cairns I've got a bunch of them but mm-hmm. the opening on them to me for for my particular nose and I'm not very good at nosing or tasting or whatever mm-hmm. it it's too concentrated for me. And so I moved to these uh, five and a half ounce brandy uh, tasting glasses. And so they have like a three inch opening on their two mm-hmm. inch opening instead of like one and a quarter or whatever. And the bowl's a little bit bigger and it gets a little more air. So it gets some of that ethanol off the top of it and it allows yeah. me to feel more comfortable with it. But it's, you know, it it's a great like you're you're never going to confuse that. it It's not a whiskey. You know, like, oh, this is a bourbon for sure. But it's not sickly sweet it's not got tons of caramel or you know it's it some people use the term caramel bomb it's definitely not one of those for me no so
0: i do think and I, now i'm really interested i got to go back to the black label and kind of do that with this too because of the black label i feel like it's almost it, it's really sweet to me mm-hmm. um and so this is the first, like definitely and even on the palette i'm getting a lot of nuts um and then it's it's faint caramel faint, it's like faint bourbon, but it's like a really nutty kind of a flavor on it though, so I don't know yeah this is this when is I, kind of teaching me here
1: <laughs> go back one yeah. of these the, the what I, I try to relate things to something mm-hmm. that is meaningful to me you know like I have a hard time just sitting down and being like, oh, there's apple, there's this flavor, there's that mm-hmm. flavor, but what i what I focus on in this one specifically uh I'm quite sure you guys have cracker barrels out there. Um, Cracker Barrel has this thing called an apple streusel, which is a dessert mm-hmm. that they usually put okay. ice cream on top of. If you negate the ice cream, this reminds me of that in an aftertaste concept because it's got huh. slight apple, it's got baking spice, it's got a little bit of caramel to it, it's got nuts in it, and those are all the ingredients of it, and So I, because I like food a lot, like a lot lot. That's how I relate a lot of things, and this is what it is for me. It's like a, it's like a warmish dessert, but not like a sickly sweet dessert that you're gonna feel like uh, I need to you know take some insulin for this.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I moved into water, and now I Cole and I bought Kentucky limestone water, but I assume where you're at, it's all Kentucky limestone water. Am I correct?
1: Well, I'm I'm on a well here, uh, so it's sort of limestone water. <laughs> but it is it is about as clean and pure as you can get from just about anything.
0: Yeah. So with and, water, oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was gonna I was gonna say you you might get down to the black label at this point because you're trying to get down to that 86 proof mm-hmm. that black label usually is, and it might give you some of that sweetness.
0: So definitely am getting more sweet on the palate. Um, a little more the apples, a little more pronounced. It's uh it's not like sickly sweet though. It's just uh, like yeah. sometimes I feel like the black label can be a little just overly sweet. This is it's still getting a lot of the nut, um, nutty smell to it, and a little more like medicinal, but very faint medicinal kind of stuff to it.
1: Yeah, it it it. This when I when I put a few drops in, I put in. I've got a little dropper that I got from a Traverse City thing that they did a couple months ago, and I put in like seventy five no 0.75 milliliters of milliliters water in here, and it gets. It's not a burn, but there's more of a tingle in my nose whenever I smell this one than there was mm-hmm. with the first bit. And so it's proofed down, but it feels like it's impacting my nose more.
0: Yeah. I'm getting more vapor on it, too. I think palate-wise, it's still nut-forward, very nutty. <laughs> like I don't know. I never would have expected this to be. And I love um, mm-hmm. getting a nutty uh, flavor to a whiskey. Like It's one of my favorites. Um So I would never would have expected that, like, because again, it's usually just thrown in some coke or something. So I don't know. I'm I'm digging it. You get anything else with the water?
1: No, it stays largely the same to me, Mm -hmm. just slightly more toned down. I probably get a lot less corn. You know, like I got corn on it initially, but I don't really get that anymore. It sort of disappeared to me. But I still get a little bit of nut. Nut. I get a little bit of baked good. The apple is a lot lighter. And it is sweeter, at least. It feels like it is, it is sweeter.
0: So corn is a good note, too. I, I wasn't even thinking that, but it's definitely – that's the. it's a corn sweetness there with a little bit of apple to me. That's what I'm getting for mm-hmm. sure. Um, drop my cube. Do you usually – how do you typically – what's your preferred way to drink whiskey? Is it, I mean, neat, iced water?
1: It depends on the time of the year and what I'm drinking. I, I like yeah. to try – I like to try everything – um, neat first like that's the the thing because that's how they made it mm-hmm. that's how they intended for it to be i think about it like a uh, a cd you know, you're, you're old enough to remember <laughs> you know pe- people arranging music in a specific way they're trying to take mm-hmm. you through a journey from track one to track whatever neat. the end is track 12 or whatever so the first time i ever listened to a cd i always wanted to try to listen to it and straight through to see what experience they were trying to craft and so i think that like neat is the way to this but after that i i I traditionally do not like room temperature beverages, so it needs to be hot or cold. I don't really like hot whiskey, and so usually I'd I'd want it to be cold. And I've tried to force myself to I've tried to force myself to to drink it more and more neat, but I just like cold beverages.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm the exact. I love like room temperature is where it's at for me, man. I can't drink too hot or too cold. Mm -hmm. Like my daughter Amara, she's a oh gosh, when we had the twins, she I think I mentioned this before, but like. It was just constant with the twins, and she was like seven at the time. Yeah, she was seven. She got really good at bringing me coffee all morning long, and then when a certain point hit, <laughs> she would bring she'd start bringing me beers with straws in it. And it was, but she knew when she was when it was coffee time. Like she'd get right. pour the cup of coffee, and she'd drop an ice cube in it because I got I got to cool that sucker down. So um, surprisingly, my ice cube, like it did to the coffee, it cooled down the the whiskey. It's a little a little colder in here. So, mm. um. I'm getting a weird note on the pal- on, on on the palate. So, the nose is pretty much the same to the ice as the water for me. Uh, but I'm getting like almost like a wintergreen, like peppermint, like little slight mintiness to it, which I don't know. I, I might go for a sip here.
1: It almost feels mentholated. Mm, mhm. It's that coolness I, and I can't tell if it's coming from the ice or if it's coming from the whiskey or a combination of the two items like it gave it some chemical coolness, I guess.
0: It's a uh, the mintiness I'm getting is almost like if a strawberry were to have a mint flavor to it. And I don't even know if that makes sense or not, but that it's like a weird minty to me. But other than that, it's like other than that, like when that goes away, it's still that just that nut forward, you know, corn sweetness to it. So
1: Yeah. It, it definitely I don't I get a, a lot a lot more nut now, and I do mm-hmm. get that that minty Red berry sweetness. I hate using the term strawberry just personally because I can't pick them out. Like I know me, yeah. if I were to, if I were to blindfold myself and somebody <laughs> handed me a strawberry and handed me some other slightly sweet berry, I'd probably unless I could get the texture of it because you know strawberries have seeds yeah. on the outside. <laughs> I'd probably miss it.
0: Yeah. Um, man. Okay. You you have a, a rating in mind? Are You formulating one at all?
1: This one always lives, like, if, if I were to look at my 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 whiskey journal that I keep over here, it's probably got four out of five stars, which puts it at an 80% or an eight. I think you guys okay. use a one to 10 scale. Is that right? Yep. Yep. If I got more granular on a one to 10 scale, it'd probably be like a seven, eight for me, 7.8, something
0: like that. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm right around that area. I think, you know, if you don't count, like, Put into your equation, the price. Like yep. the price per ounce, it's it's a little lower, but man, like for the price, it's it's almost you can't beat it. You know, I think it's right there with, um, like old granddad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if you account for price,
1: do. this thing jumps up to like an eight and a half or a nine for me. Seriously. It's yeah. super inexpensive. It's super affordable and it's super good for it. You know, my, my boss called me. Uh, well, I guess it's technically my boss's boss called me about a month and a half, two months ago. And he was like, hey, I need, you know, once you become the whiskey guy at work, you're the whiskey guy at work. And everybody's always <laughs> yep. going to call you and ask and like, hey, I need recommendations. And I hate like I don't mind giving recommendations for anything under $40 because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're going to waste money on something else. But as soon as I cross that $50 line, I try not to make a recommendation on anything that I would not buy from them if they don't like it. So that's sort oh, of my okay. rule. But he was like, I'm looking for some some cheap. Uh, whiskey for my daughter's wedding he's like I'm gonna buy some good stuff for the people who know but I'm gonna I want to buy some cheap stuff that people will like but and I was like I need you to define cheap because you know for some people <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: it's 15 and under some people it's 20 and under some people it's 30 and under and, and I have different tiers and he was like okay under 20 and I was like all right go get some heaven hill bottle and bond um, anybody who drinks it neat will think you spent $40 on the bottle Absolutely guaranteed. Um, anybody who knows whiskey will enjoy it. And anybody who doesn't is probably going to look at you sideways, but they're also going to pour a bunch of coke in it. So it's not going to matter.
0: <laughs> you know, that's the thing. Buy this, throw it in uh, a decanter. Not decanter. What is it? Is it a decanter? Yeah. Yeah. Decanter. Yeah. Throw it in a decanter. Nobody knows what yep. it is. You're good to go. Um, so my, I think I'm going to go right at like, and it's hard to balance that per ounce, price per ounce. Uh, but I'm going to go in general. If I've just, it's it's kind of a one-trick pony. Like to me, there's just a lot of the nut there, nut flavor, um, a little bit of that corn sweetness. So I, if I were to rank it any higher, I'd feel like it'd have to have more depth to it. So I'm gonna go about a seven point six on it. It's solid. Uh, if I took it in per price per ounce, I'm like, yeah, right around that eight point five. So I'm gonna go seven point six as is. Solid whiskey. Does you know it could if it was ranked any higher, I think. I've would have some problems with my previous rating rankings because it would, it would be far. It's, this isn't the first thing I'm going to go to the bar in order. And right. would, if I was reckoning higher, it would have to be that. So that's yeah. kind of where I'm in up there. So
1: see, I don't, I don't have to reckon it against any past rating because <laughs> this is my first it. one. So
0: <laughs> There you go. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? None. None for this bottle. You're it was good, I, like I was,
1: I was, I was super excited to talk about this one. Um, whenever, whenever you tossed it out there as an opportunity, I was like, "That's it. We'll do this one."
0: You know, I wasn't even thinking it when you said it. I'm like, "Yep, absolutely. That's a great one to go to." Because I don't, think, I don't think we've covered any. We haven't covered any Evan Williams for sure. And you know what? It's like, it's so ubiquitous, and mm-hmm. you know, it's got to get some love. So, all right, man. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and send it to uh, a break here real quick, and when we come back, we're gonna have whiskey world news. <laughs> All right, and we're back. It's time for Whiskey World News, part of the show where we read an article and we talk about it. Uh, This one (laughs) is coming from, oh my goodness, 1011 now, K-O-L-N, K-G-I-N. It's a regional thing, but it's titled, Man Arrested After Trying to Shoplift Whiskey and Clothes from Walmart. Uh, This is written by Lauren Holm. Uh, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. Officers with the Lincoln Police Department arrested a man after they say he tried shoplifting whiskey and clothes from Walmart. On Wednesday around 11 a.m. It's pretty early to <laughs> be shoplifting whiskey, but I guess you're getting ready for the night. Officers were dispatched to the Walmart at 27th and Superior Streets for shoplifting. LPD said an employee explained that he had seen a man take a backpack from the shelf, then fill it with Jack Daniels whiskey and clothing according to the police the employee confronted the man and removed the backpack as he ran away police said the backpack had 150 worth of merchandise inside and that's where i'm gonna stop because to me I, just, I you know it was clickbait for me i'm like he's shoplifting whiskey from walmart uh so anyway guy goes into the into walmart doesn't have his own backpack steals the backpack puts in a bunch of jack daniels and some clothes and Runs away. I, uh, any, and it's not a huge kind of like thing, like you know, not a, a knee jerk reaction kind of thing. Any thoughts on that article at all, there, John?
1: I think the guy wasn't trying to steal any clothes, I think that he was just being a smart guy. <laughs> he got a backpack, he got some Jack Daniels, he put it in there, and then he's like, Oh. I need to cushion this because I'm likely going to have to run at some point in time. And go. I don't need it sloshing around. And maybe he was going to put a second bottle of something else in there and you don't need them clanking together because that's going to be a dead giveaway. I, I don't think he was there for that. I think he was there for some whiskey and some good times. And, you know, honestly, like, are you really looking for somebody to be stealing whiskey at 11 o'clock in the morning? I, I don't think so. Like, that's,
0: <laughs> he, he had a decent plan. <laughs> I love that's where you go. You go, like he's he's got a good plan. Like let's let's fish this one out. Let's let's get down here and see how we can improve on this. Yeah, no. To me, it was just kind of funny. I think you I that's a good point. But like, I don't know, man. Eleven o'clock in the morning. Steal the backpack, steal the whiskey. I, I think you got to give him some points, too, because he was like, you know, I'm not even going to bring my own backpack. It's going to get confiscated. I just, I'm just right. going to go ahead and grab this one off the rack here. So, Well, you,
1: you, if you walk through the door with a backpack on at Walmart, especially if That's it's empty, uh, loss prevention's immediately looking at you. They're like, OK, what's this guy up to and why does he have a backpack in here? And You know, I guess I, you know, I I sort of poke fun at the 11 o'clock thing, but I've, I've struck up a pretty good relationship with the local, one of our local liquor stores here. And they said, inevitably, you know, Sundays are the only day that they open later than 8 a.m. They usually open at Mm -hmm. noon and people are lined (laughs) up. And so, you know, those those noon people that are lined up at the liquor store could go to the Walmart at 11 a.m. and pick up their free bottle of Jack Daniels if they can run fast enough.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that's true. Like, I usually hit my liquor stores up right in in Idaho during the week they open at 11. So I, I usually hit my liquor stores up as close to 11 as possible just kind of like on shipment days just to kind of see where they're at and what they got. So I guess it makes sense that he's stealing at 11. But anyway... Alright, so I'll go ahead and send it to our our next portion of the show. Now, because we're we're recording this early, it's a Monday, we typically record on Thursdays. We don't have results from last week's What Whiskey Would You Choose, Uh, so we're not going to go over that, but this week's What Whiskey Choose is inspired by this article, and the question is, given a free backpack and the ability to steal $150 of whiskey, or clothes, if you want to clothes too, but we'll stick with the whiskey, because we're a whiskey podcast. If you're going to steal $150 worth of one liquor from your liquor store what bottles are you going after so you got $150 run out of the store with the bottles only one bottle you can't be like well I'm gonna take this I'm gonna take that it's got to be one straight bottle good luck on the math here if you're not a math person add it up Mm -hmm. real quick $150 what bottles are you stealing you got an idea there
1: yeah, no, this is an easy one. And it's only because okay. I, I've already given this answer to you guys. Uh, so whenever y'all put together <laughs> the, the Father's Day list of, mm-hmm. you know, bourbons that, that you would either give or like to get, um, I'm going to stick with the Bardstown uh, Prisoner. Um, if it's in the store, now that's not quite 150. It's at like 130, but I'll let them keep that $20 difference there at the store, uh, as I run out the door. And I also feel like it's a bottle that I could probably hold onto pretty well. I think you can't go with one that's like oddly shaped because you're trying to run <laughs> and hold it. Um, so like a, you know, like a Willet pot still would be pretty rough to try to carry be. because it's got that weird shape to it. You know, that's, that's fantastic you, or you,
0: you, you get a good grip around that nick, but the bottom part's going to like throw your balance off. Right, and as you start swinging it, and you know, like the,
1: with li- liquid <laughs> dynamics, it's gonna it's gonna want to slosh weird, and you know, it's gonna it's gonna come out of your hand.
0: Pretty soon, you're either knocking yourself out by the sloshing effect, or it's it's gone. It's it's in the in the gutter right. there. Well, I Absolutely. like I like that I like that too because when you get arrested, you can be like, "Well, Chill Filter told me I could have stolen twenty dollars more, so like, give me some lenience here, cops." You know? I'm
1: gonna blame it on Robbie. I know what's <laughs> up.
0: All right, so I, I I'm gonna go for uh. And it's not always available, but it's available the last couple of weeks. And it sits really close to my liquor store's door. Uh, but they got some 1792 single barrel. And I'm going to say it's like $44 there. So I'm going to be able to get three of those suckers and throw it in the backpack. I don't know. I mean, I got to get like- I'll, You I'll better have some it. clothes. Yeah, i going <laughs> to need some clothes. <laughs> I'm taking my pants and my shirt off first. Put them in the bag and throw no the bottles in the no, one, no one's no ta- one's no one's going to tackle you if you if
1: you're you're pantsless <laughs> and shirtless. You're good to go. You're gonna make this run.
0: And if they get close, I'm just going to pop one of the bottles, pour it all over myself. Like, hopefully, you know, I'll <laughs> make myself a little slipperier there and get away there. So that's what we need. And, got. So, and right. hope
1: that they don't have a lighter or match.
0: <laughs> yeah, stay away from direct flame. Um, all right, man. So there's this, this, this week's What Whiskey Would You Choose? $150, one, one bottle only, not one bottle, one brand specific bottle. What do you take it for 150 bucks? We'll put that up, see what people got. And uh, John, you have to make sure you tune in. We'll try to share some responses that way sure. you can see. I, I I guarantee you're probably gonna kill me on this because I I think that bottle's <laughs> not available for me here. So that what I'm what it's, I'm going for. There,
1: there's only one on the shelf here. That that's you know it's it's on the shelf and it's it's priced above retail at the at yeah. one of the stores, but it's right on that line of of. Luckily, we don't have a whole lot of barstone uh, bourbon followers in this town just yet. So we're a little bit lucky there, but I think it's just a matter of a week or two.
0: Yeah, well, they seem to be blowing up a lot, which, you know, like, and that's the thing with an uh, Idaho, we're a controlled state. So you really, you kind of get just what is, you know, semi-popular, semi-well-known, yep. like it takes a while. Like we, I mean, we're right next to Washington, it took forever for us to get Woodenville, And, uh, you know, now we're getting it pretty frequently. It's easy to get, but gosh, it was took forever for it to even get into the state, so anyway all right man well you know what i think that's that's kind of getting us towards the end of the podcast here and i gotta say i really appreciate having you on i feel like uh you know we didn't really skip a beat too much without cole being here like you kind of you guys are cut from similar cloth and i I tell you what we got to get you on again sometime with him on because i think it'd be a good time so i really appreciate you kind of filling that spot of just the the history and and having the fun man so i really appreciate having you on Any, any last words before we start closing out here
1: no, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And anytime you need somebody to fill uh, Cole's hole, I'm absolutely
0: available. <laughs> well, you know what? Speaking of filling Cole's hole, I got to put this in there for our Patreon. He makes 800 more dollars. Cole's filling his hole with a little McAllen, So he's going to do the butt chug there. So anyway, that <laughs> you're talking That's about filling Cole's hole. <laughs> I got to put that out there. So anyway, man, well, hey guys, I really hope you enjoy the episode. I hope that you uh, check out Embellished Podcast. It is good stuff. Um, yeah, I really hope you do. That's you. You gotta say it. you hope.
1: Oh, what do you hope for? Yeah, sorry. sorry about that. <laughs> I
0: I hope like
1: I've I've put some thought into this one. I hope that Cole has a wonderful experience entering into fatherhood. It is one of the most um, beautiful mistakes you can ever make, and I hope that he enjoys it as much as I assume you do, and as much as
0: I do. Oh man, well you just kind of You're a little late to the party but you stole the cake Stole the show with that one Uh, But most of all listeners, I hope our love of spirits Lifted yours